Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All righty, guys. My name is Aaron Robinson, and I am joined by my twin brother, Andrew Robinson, and we are live for another episode of the Auto Bid. And today, we have a special guest. We have Colorado head men's basketball coach, Tad Boyle. Coach, thanks for coming on with us today. Yeah, good to be with you guys. No problem at all, man. Coach, coach and his squad just finished up actually an exhibition uh, game over in Costa Rica. Um, and they were playing against my, my, my brother Andrew over there in Costa Rica. And also, our junior season, we had the opportunity to play against Colorado when Drew and I were playing at Quinnipiac. And uh, they, were able to, they were able to come out with a win that, win, uh, that day. McKinley right hit a buzzer beater um, at the buzzer. It's, it's not going to of that tournament. So we'll definitely you know, want to get into that a little bit later in the show. But um, first, we want to make sure we remind you guys, make sure you guys are uh, liking this podcast, giving us a rating. And whenever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you guys are telling a friend and tell a friend, give us a retweet if you catch us on social media. And as always, make sure you're listening to my guy, Pull Up Tay's music. Um, it's streaming on all platforms. A new project, Life Ain't There, is out everywhere. So make sure you guys listen to my guy, Pull Up Tay. But like we said earlier, we have a special guest today, Coach Boyle, man. We want to get into it right away, man. Um, obviously, you know, you've had quite the quite the journey. You know, you 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 played at Kansas back in the day on a team that actually featured Danny Manning uh, and Mark Turgeon um, when, when when you were a senior. Um, then you were able to get into coaching. You coached in the high school ranks, um, and then also you you were able to rise up through the assistant coaching ranks. Um, and then obviously we were able to get a head coaching job at Northern Colorado and then now at Colorado. I mean, just take us through a little bit of your basketball journey. Um, what got you into coaching? Um, and, you know, obviously now that, that, you're, that you're going into your 12th season, I believe, at University of Colorado, um, what, what, what has that been like for you over, over the, the past 12 years or so at Colorado? Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's been a journey, I mean, without a doubt. And, you know, there's some guys – that are kind of born to coach and other guys uh, it, it kind of falls, falls into their lap, so to speak. And I, I'm probably the latter category because I, when I graduated from Kansas, I, I had my degree in business and uh, I was actually an investment advisor for about eight years uh, here in my home state of Colorado where I grew up. And uh, uh, so, you know, obviously having played basketball my whole life and then getting in, getting into the investment business, I miss basketball a great deal. And I'd play, you know, a lot of pickup, a lot of tournaments on weekends and, and things like that. But uh, uh, I got into coaching uh, with a friend of mine who asked me to help out. You know, he was a varsity coach. He wanted to, he needed a JV coach. So I, I, I helped him for a couple of years. And then, then a school, local school, Longmont High School, had an opening. And, and it was like August and they hadn't found a coach yet. They called me and asked me to coach for a year. Kind of as a stopgap, and that turned into three years, and then, you know, it got to the point, quite frankly, where uh, I was thinking more about 
the team I was coaching, the kids I was coaching, than I was about the stock market or interest rates or, you know, what was going to happen, you know, that day in the business world. So I knew that coaching was for me. Uh, you'd mentioned Mark Turgeon. He was uh, an assistant coach at the University of Oregon at the time. And back then, guys, they had two full-time assistant coaches and one what they called restricted earnings coach. And that coach was limited in making $16,000 a year. And, and uh, as you guys know, that's not a lot to live on. Um, it's below poverty level. But that's what I was capped at. And so, like, five guys turned that job down. And he called me. And Jerry Green was the head coach. I went out and interviewed with him. And I really got into college coaching only because of that position, because everybody else turned it down. I had no experience recruiting. I had no experience in college other than having played. And uh, that kind of got me in the, in, in the game, so to speak. And then, you know, I went from Oregon to Tennessee to Jacksonville State and Alabama to Wichita State and then got my first head coaching job at Northern Colorado. So it, uh, it's been quite a journey. And uh, I've, I've, it's funny, I left Boulder, Colorado to go to Eugene, Oregon. And now coaching's brought me full circle, and I'm the head coach in Boulder, Colorado. So I'm very fortunate. I'm a Colorado guy. I love this school. I love this university, and and this is where I want to finish my career. Definitely quite the journey, man. Do you do you and, and, and Mark Turgeon and Danny ever talk about that, man? Like all you guys is, you know, winding up being great head coaches at, at this level, man. I mean, who who would have thought, you know, that. You guys have, you know, coaches, I mean, back back then, you know, I Candace on that team. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you're right. There's three three head coaches on that team. And and well, coached by Larry Brown with, with the head coach at, at Kansas too. Coached by Larry Brown. I, I mentioned earlier, you know, some people are born to coach. Mark Turgeon was born to coach. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Danny Manning was born to play. I mean, Danny was as special a player as I've ever played with for sure. You know, I just – I feel so bad for him in terms of his knee injuries when he got to the NBA. But, you know, he – other than maybe Bill Walton or Lou Elsender, you know, some of those UCLA guys, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint a guy who had as much impact on college basketball during his four years as Danny did. You know, those other guys, only that freshmen were ineligible then. Danny was a starter's freshman, and then as a senior led his team, you know, the NCAA – uh, national championship and was player of the year and the first pick in the 1988 NBA draft. I mean, you can't think of a better career for a guy like that. And he would have been an unbelievable, he was a good pro, but he would have been a great pro if it weren't for those knee injuries. And, and, and Danny kind of same way, you know, he got, got done playing. It's like, well, what do I want to do now? And he ended up on Bill self staff and, and obviously he's uh, made a name for himself. And ironically, he and Mark Turgeon are now coaching together in Maryland, you know. So uh, Danny's uh, one of one of the, again, best players certainly that I've ever played with. Great teammate. Uh, Mark Turgeon, uh, very good player, great friend. You know, I've known him for, you know, obviously the same time I've known Danny. And, and we've got a great relationship to this day. Now you mentioned that relationship with Coach Turgeon. I mean, you guys have you guys have coached together, you know, for more than ten years. Obviously, coaching together at 
Oregon, Jacksonville State, and then Wichita State together and being able to go to the Sweet 16 in 06 before being knocked out by George Mason uh, on their match career on the, yeah. the Final Four. I mean, but I mean, talk about you guys' relationship, you know, throughout the years, how it's evolved, and both you guys being able to lead, I mean, top 25 caliber program now for the last 10 years. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. When we played together, uh, so I, I, uh, I always, people always say, Danny got to, or I got to play with Danny, but I got to correct him and say, Danny got to play with me. <laughs> Everybody laughs when I say it. I don't know why, but but no. So, so Danny and I were teammates for one year. Uh, Mark Turgeon and I were teammates for two years. And you know when we played together, we were we were certainly you know, great teammates, great friends. But we didn't like hang out a lot together. A little bit here and there. And we became better friends when I got done playing than when we were playing. And obviously, he's the one that got me into coaching. Um, he was in my wedding. I was in his wedding. I mean, we're the, those kind of those kind of uh, friends, so to, so to speak. And and so we our, our relationship goes way back. And when you coach with somebody for ten years, we were you know counterparts at at Oregon. And then he was the head coach. I was the assistant at Jacksonville State and at Wichita State. You know, you learn a lot from each other. And I learned a lot from Mark in his early years of being a head coach. And we all make mistakes when we're first or second, third or fourth year head coaches. And uh, I had a chance to see that and learn, but I also learned about the things he did well. And believe me, he does a lot more things well than he makes mistakes. I can tell you that, but I was the same way when I was a first year head coach, second year head coach, I made a lot of mistakes. And uh, sometimes you have to go to those schools and, uh, you know, make those mistakes. Uh, Danny didn't have that op- op- option. You know, he was at, 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 at Tulsa, which is a pretty good basketball program, and Wake Forest. You know, I, would, I made my mistakes in, in, in Greeley, Colorado. Mark made his in, in Jacksonville, Alabama. Sometimes it's better to be one of those spots where you're off the beaten path, so to speak, because you really learn from that. You know, just like you guys, I'm sure, as players, when you go back to your – your early days as players, um, you make a lot of mistakes, and, and, and that's an opportunity to grow and get better, and, and hopefully we all do that, whether we're players, whether we're coaches. And, and uh, so, so I, I wouldn't be where I am today without, without Mark Turgeon. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Coach, before we jump into, you know, you guys this season, I want to talk about last season, man. And I mean, uh, you guys had an unbelievable run. Obviously, making it all the way to the Pac-12 championship game, ended up um, losing to, to Oregon State, and then get to the NCAA tournament. You know, defeated the Georgetown Hoyers, who I you know, you know, broke broke my heart. You know, because Georgetown's a local DNB team. You know, uh, but you had to pull that off and advance to the second round of the NCAA tournament. I mean, talk about just last year's season and um, what you guys were able to do, um, and just you know what what it meant for you guys to be able to you know make that run, obviously in the Pac-12 tournament, and then be able to win a game uh, in March Madness. Well, it was, a, it was a special year, and it was a special team to coach, Andrew. We had seven seniors on that team, five scholarship guys, two walk-ons who were instrumental in our, in our program. Our, our, our non-scholarship players in Colorado are, are to me, just as important um, as our scholarship players are in terms of our preparation and, and what we do in the offseason. But we had seven really, really special kids. And I think when you talk about last year, you have to go back to the year before because we were an NCAA tournament team the year before, but that's the year of COVID when the tournament was canceled. And so those kids were, were obviously – that would have been the first time they played in it. 
and they were extremely disappointed and frustrated. And so now here they do come back for their senior year. You got guys like McKinley Wright, who's been a four-year starter, Sean Schwartz, Dallas Walt, you know, the list goes on. And, uh, uh, you know, last year's team, there's always, again, I don't know how it was with you guys, you know, because I know, Andrew, you're still playing, Aaron. I don't know if you're still hooping or not. But, you know, when you look back at the teams you played on, there's usually one or two guys that are kind of not bought in or, you know, maybe have their own agenda or, you know, just don't quite fit into the group, right? Last year's team, we had none of that. I mean, we had everybody rowing the boat in the same direction. Uh, and and really guys were playing for each other and they weren't uh, competing with each other other than in practice, you know, going head to head. But it was a really special team off the court and coming off the COVID year. Uh, they had something to prove and they certainly did that. And obviously McKinney was kind of the, the, the straw that stirred our drink and has been for the four years he played for us. But uh, special group had great leadership and uh, – uh, it was one of those teams I've been coaching for, this will be my 27th year at Division One basketball, uh, the most enjoyable team I've ever coached on a day-to-day basis, without a doubt. Now, you mentioned McKinley Wright, obviously, he, who you know had an outstanding four-year career at University of Colorado, you know, save for that moment where he broke Drew and I's heart down there in, in, in Liberty in, in Virginia. But, I mean, talk a little bit, a bit about him. I mean, the, 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 player, the player that he was, but also the person that he was. I mean, I've heard great things about him as, as a leader. Um, I mean, just talk a little bit about the impact that he was able to have on your program um, over the last four seasons. Well, guys, it's, it's interesting that I'm on with you because I think, you know, when we talk about McKinley Wright and kind of where he started – versus where he finished up, you know, we found out what we had that night we were playing you guys. And, and, and Aaron, you were very uh, uh, politically correct when you said, you know, we, we, we got you uh, in, in, in Lynchburg. Actually, we, we were very, very lucky to win that game. And Andrew and I talked about this when, when we were down in Costa Rica playing against his squad. But um, uh, we were beat that night. And we, we, I mean, in every, every way you guys outplayed our team, except that we had the ball last and we had McKinley right on our team. And he came down, I'll never forget, you know, kind of coast to coast and pulled up and and hit a three and didn't hesitate, wasn't scared of the moment. And and here's a true freshman that was uh, first or second game of his career. And uh, so from there, it just kind of took off. I mean, he's a, he's a special player. The thing about McKinley that made him special um, is he was our best player, but he was also our hardest worker. He was our best uh, player, but he was also one of the best teammates on the team. That, I think if I can give McKinley uh, the ultimate compliment as a coach is he was a great teammate. And I think so many people, you know, take that for granted. Uh, guys that are, you know, really good and really confident and really uh, have have drive, have, has a, have a drive and an ambition to play beyond where they're playing, which McKinley had. McKinley wants to be in the NBA. He is in the NBA right now with the Timberwolves, and hopefully he makes that roster. But if he doesn't, he's going to make a roster at some point. There's no doubt in my mind. But with all those dreams and ambitions that he had, like every player has, he was a great teammate along the way, and he, he cared about uh, the guy that was right, the guy that was left. He cared about Colorado, 
Um, he, he was just a special, special player. He ended up being, I think, the only player in Pac-12 history with over 1,800 points. I think it was 600 rebounds and 600 assists. You get 600 rebounds as a six-foot guard is, you know, you expect the points and assists, but you put the rebounds in there. Nobody else – I mean, there's been a lot of good players in the Pac-12 now. <laughs> I mean, you go down that list, and uh, he's, he's special. Yeah. Now, I, I can definitely remember, man. I mean, we were juniors that year. And I mean, I remember just watching him play and, and the poise that he had. Um, I mean, you guys had NBA players on that team. I mean, Tyler Bay was on that team. Uh, George King was on that team who ended up getting uh, drafted to the NBA. And um, I mean, he he played amazing. And man, you can just tell that, you know, from that moment that he was going to be a great player, man. And it was definitely a pleasure you know, to, to watch how he kind of progressed over the last four years and, you know, kind of turn the page for this year. You know, you guys, obviously, like, like you mentioned, Coach, you guys had, you know, seven seniors last year, five scholarship guys. And this year you're kind of turning, you know, the page. You know, started kind of a, a new era. Um, I had a chance to, to, to play against, you know, you guys this year. Uh, I'm sorry, this summer, obviously, when you guys were down in Costa Rica. And um, one thing that I noticed about your team was just, one, how, how hard you guys play, how connected you guys were on both offense and defense, the pace in which you guys run your offense. But um, kind of talk about, you know, this new this new era of Colorado basketball, kind of what you're looking forward to, obviously, now that you have this new group of guys, the seniors are gone, and kind of what are you looking forward to for this season? Well, Andrew, you know, our standards and our expectations at Colorado don't change. And that's the one thing about coaching in college that's very, you know, unique. Uh, a little bit like high school, uh, not like the the, the 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 pros where your your personnel changes over almost every year and sometimes even throughout the year. But you know we've got still we've got two really really special seniors in Evan Batty and Eli Parquet, um, and they played. We played four games in Costa Rica. I played them in two of them, just because I know what they bring to the table and I know what they're capable of. Costa Rica was really about finding out about our young guys and some of the returning guys that need to, you know, step into different roles next year. And, uh, but our, but our, you know, our leadership, because any, any program that's worth uh, its salt, it has to have great leadership and it has to be player led. If it's coach led, it's really difficult. And it's, and it's, and those are the really, really long years. That's why coaches like me don't have much hair and what, what left, what's left is gray, you know, because it's, it's, it really wears on you, but we've got two seniors that I know will help set the standard. They've been in the program for four years. They know what our expectation levels are. They know what our standards are from a day-to-day basis. So the, the messages that we're giving out as a coaching staff are being, you know, emphasized in the locker room when the coaches aren't around. And that's, you have to have that in, in order to have success. If the guys are going in the locker room and, and, and whining and complaining, which happens, I've been, a, I was a player once too, you know, that happens. And you don't have a, a, an upperclassman or a senior that says, Hey, now hold on time out. That's not what we're about here. Here's what we're about. This is, you know, this is why coaches getting on here. This is why you're not, maybe you're struggling right now. Or you're not playing as much as you want right now. Like that has to be, you know, in the locker room as well as on the court with just with just coaches talking. So we have that, which means we got a chance. Okay, now the rest of us are all freshmen and sophomores, so they are young guys that are going to be asked to step into bigger roles. Jabari Walker and Tristan DeSilva last year were were good players for us off the bench. Guess what? Now they're going to become high minute guys 
that have to produce on a consistent basis. Uh, Dominique Clifford and Luke O'Brien, you know, didn't play a lot last year. We're going to need them to step up into different roles this year. And then our freshmen are really, really a talented group. But uh, you know, freshmen are up and down. And, and we mentioned Danny Manning earlier in the in in, in the discussion. You know, as good of a player as Danny was as a freshman the year I was a senior and had a chance to play with him, you know, he was up and he was down. He had good games and bad games. Now, I came back three years later when he was a senior, and it was – he was – you know, he didn't have the ups and the downs because he, he was a senior then. So, the freshmen are going to be up and down. We have to have great stability and leadership, and I think we have that. Now, it's a great segue. You mentioned the freshman offer you guys – Took in six freshmen this year. Three of them are obviously top 100 guys in uh, Lawson Levering, Quincy Allen, and K.J. Simpson. I mean, talk a little bit about those three guys, what you're expecting from them this year. Um, obviously, uh, Quincy is the DMV guy from Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, so, I mean, just you know, talk a little bit about those guys and what you're looking forward to for them, you know, this upcoming season. Yeah, I mentioned our freshmen are really talented. And Quincy, you know, when you, when you look at the talent meter, he's off the charts. I mean, he is a live – uh, athlete who can shoot the ball, can put it on the floor a little bit. Unfortunately, he's been fighting some injuries since he's been here. He didn't play in Costa Rica due to an injury. He still hasn't played since we've been back. So, you know, he's uh, having doctor's appointments, meet with the trainers, and we're still in a uh, position where we're trying to, you know, figure out uh, what what uh, the immediate future holds for him. And, and, and as of today, we don't know what that is. So, but we do know, is Quincy's extremely talented. He's going to be a really good player for us, and we're excited to have him. Obviously, we don't recruit, you know, out there in the DMV, uh, you know, on a consistent basis. But, you know, it's funny. We had a few years ago, the NCAA allowed us to have juniors on campus for official visits, and we thought we would take about three or four visits a year and kind of swing for the fences, so to speak, and get outside of our comfort zone. You know, the kids in Colorado, the kids in Kansas – the kids in the Midwest, they know who Colorado is. Kids out east, we, they don't know. So Quincy actually came out and visited the night we played UCLA. Uh, right before, you know, a couple of weeks or maybe three, four weeks before COVID hit. And he saw our arena on game night. You know, he saw us battle and, and, and how we played. And he kind of, like, piqued his interest. And then COVID hit. And, you know, nobody was recruiting. And, and we ended up signing him. So we... I don't know if we were lucky or smart or whatever, but everything kind of came together for Quincy. So we're excited to have him. K.J. Simpson is a really dynamic, special, aggressive, instinctive player. He's got some of the same qualities McKinley Wright had. Um, you know, as a freshman, he's not afraid of anything or anybody. Um, but uh, he's got a good future ahead of him. So we're excited about K.J. Lawson Lover is a seven-footer that – is, is just going to get better and better and better. And uh, he's got great skill, great hands, plays hard. As Andrew mentioned, a lot of our guys do, but uh, he's terrific. I'll tell you, the guys nobody talks about is Julian Hammond, who's a, uh, really been playing well uh, for us. You know, freshmen, you just never know uh, how quickly they're going to acclimate. we got another kid named Javon Ruffin. You guys may remember his dad, Michael Ruffin, played in the league for quite some time. Played for the Wizards. Yes, he played for the Wizards. Played, yeah, he's, he's bounced around a little bit. But uh, Javon, the 6'5 shooting guard, he, like Quincy, has been battling uh, some injuries. With. Unlike Quincy, we know this is a knee. He had surgery in the offseason. He should be ready to go here in about a week, week and a half. And I can't wait to get him in the fold on the floor. So 
yeah, our, our, our freshman class is pretty special and, uh, uh, the future's bright. Sure. Now, um, another thing that, that I noticed, man, I think, I think you were definitely spot on coach, obviously about, about KJ. I remember playing against him and, uh, he definitely he, – he wasn't backing down, man. I remember he was he was definitely getting into it with a lot of the older guys. And, man, I, I said, man, like, you know, how old are you, man? Like, he's a freshman. So, I think he definitely have a bright future, man. I want to talk about, you know, your, your front court. You know, your, your two re- uh, returning leading scorers from last year's team are obviously uh, Evan Batty and Jabari Walker. And um, those two guys are going to, I guess, have to expect their production to kind of take a jump um, going into this season this year. Um, but, you know, talk about just um, those two guys playing together. I remember that Georgetown game, man, Jabari was – you know, shooting it very well from three, man. You you yeah. had a team actually couldn't couldn't miss from three that game actually. But I remember Jabbar was, was knocking it down out there. But talk about their game and kind of um, what you're looking for for those for, um, from those guys this season. Yeah, Jabari's. You know, Jabari had a great freshman year, and uh, it's funny. We he probably didn't play uh, as many minutes as as he wanted to play, or as that quite frankly our coaches wanted to play because we had we had a lot of guys kind of on that front court and. With graduation and uh, and and Jabari's uh, opportunity to step up, it's there. I mean, and he can really shoot the ball. He's gotten a lot better this offseason, putting the ball on the floor, handling it, going right. He's really a good finisher going right. He's really working on finishing going left. Um, uh, he's a good rebounder. He's got a big-time motor. So I think the combination of Jabari and Evan on that front court, and then you throw Lawson in there and you throw Tristan De Silva, who's kind of our Swiss Army knife kind of guy. He can kind of, you can plug him in at any position, really, except for maybe the point guard, and he can be very effective. He's and he's got good size, six nine. You know, we got four guys that have great size that can play along that front line and also can uh, stretch the floor. And that's the one thing Jabari does and Evan does. Uh, you know, as a senior now, he's, he's, he didn't make a lot down in Costa Rica, but uh, we want him shooting him. He's proven in practice he can he can knock that shot down. So um, I love the versatility, the inside-out nature, the physical nature uh, of our front line. And Jabari and Evan are certainly two uh, premier players for us, but uh, Lawson and Trent. Also, guys, it can it can be counted on night in and night out as well. Now, Coach, I, I want to ask you, man. I mean, I think one thing that is extremely interesting is that, you know, in this area of transfer portal and portaling, I mean, you guys didn't take any transfers this offseason. I mean, you guys elected to take six freshmen, which, I mean, in, in this area where now you have the transfer portal, I mean, it, it's really unprecedented, honestly. I mean, was that, a, was that a conscious choice of you guys or was that something that you guys just kind of, you know, the, 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 the way that the chips fell, something that just kind of ended up happening? We, we would much, much rather sign uh, a kid coming out of high school. Uh, we are a development program. You look at the guys that we've had in our program that had success. They came in as freshmen. Some of them, you know, you guys mentioned George King a little earlier. I mean, there's no better story in our program than George King. He redshirted as a sophomore. He played a little bit as a freshman, redshirted as a sophomore, then was, you know, as a, as a redshirt sophomore was, you know, most improved player in the Pac-12. And then, you know, two years later, he's a second-round draft pick. So that that development through the years uh, is something we take a lot of pride in. And it's hard to get that out of the transfer portal. Um, and I'm not saying we'll never use it. You know, we we signed Jariah Horn uh, from Tulsa uh, last year as, as a transfer portal guy because we didn't know how good Jabari Walker and Tristan Silva were as incoming freshmen because – 
we'd seen them on film. I mean, COVID, you know, was crazy because you're recruiting guys. You don't know how good because you've never, I never saw them play in person. You know, I saw Jabari one time, I think, and right before his senior year. But um, so we would much, much rather uh, take kids out of high school, develop them, you know, if, if redshirt, if need be, and just, you know, live with the, the growing pain, so to speak, because we feel like if they come to Colorado, this is such a great place to go to school and to live your life, the facilities we have, the staff we have, the weight program, the infrastructure that's in place to support them, to get them to where they want to get. If they will fight through the adversity and the tough times that everybody hits, I'm sure you guys hit it, right? Uh, they're willing to do that. They're going to have success here. If they're not willing to do that, they'll probably be hitting the portal going the out, you know, on the, on the outbound train. We don't want that to happen either, but – you know, I think uh, it's the it's the day and, it, and age in which we live. Uh, I, I'd rather not live in the transfer portal. Not saying we'll never use it, but I'd rather not live in there. I don't want to fish in that pond. I want to I want to bring in young, hungry kids who who want to make a name for themselves. Now that's that's I mean, this is that's actually very interesting to me because I mean, we, I mean, we've had tons of, of coaches on on here and, and a lot of interviews and. I think you're you're the first coach that I've actually heard that from. You know, most coaches say, "Oh, you know, you know, we want to, you know, old wins. We, we want to get old and stay old and things like that." So, for you as a coach, I mean, I know you just touched on it a little bit, but um, you know, how do you balance that? Like, you know, we want to get, you know, have older guys in our program and things like that, versus like, all right, we're just gonna take, you know, the freshmen and kind of try to develop them that way. Um, you know, what? How have you been able to kind of balance that and kind of not just jump on the bandwagon and, and take transfers like everybody else seems to be doing nowadays? Guys, I think I think there's a time for all seasons. You know, there's there's a time, you know, and and you know, I've never lived in San Diego or a place where there's no, you know, sunny and 70 degrees every day. It's a pretty nice place, but most of us live in, in a place where, you know, after the summer comes the fall and then leaves change in the fall and then it becomes winter and then it becomes spring again. Like and to me that's kind of the way uh, college basketball is you come in as a freshman and kind of learn and you grow and you know, look McKinley Wright came in from day one and started from day one Josh Scott came in as a five man started from day one but other kids come in Eli Parquet he comes in as a freshman plays a little bit plays a little bit more as a sophomore and then as a junior has a breakout year like I, I, I just think there's time there's you have to respect the process of getting better and I think so many kids in today's age, they want the immediate satisfaction and they want it now. And I understand that. I mean, we, we all would like that. But the reality of life is you usually, if something's worth having, it's worth working for. And those are the kind of kids we want in our program. And if they're the kind that need immediate you know, gratification, this is probably in the place for you because you might get it, but you might not. And if you don't get it and you're heading for the transfer portal, we don't want you in the first place. That, that's not what we're about here. So um, that's kind of the way. I, now, when you say I'm, I'm an outlier and, and I'm the only coach that said that, I can't understand why a kid that's a fresh, uh, that's a senior in high school would go to a program that says that. I want to go because, you know, they're going to go as a freshman. And they're going to take a transfer guy as a junior and senior. Like, I'd rather them to see in our program, who are the juniors and seniors ahead of you right now? <laughs> you know, because that, that's 
then you know what's ahead of you. If you're going to a program that lives in the transfer portal, you don't know what's ahead of you. And you don't know if you're going to play. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I, uh, I guess I'm a little bit old school guys, but, but, uh, and, and I, you know, what we've done is worked and, you know, not to say we, we won't use a transport. I'm not, I'm not saying we won't cause we, we may, uh, but it's going to be in special situations. Yeah. Now coach, you had, um, uh, obviously me and draw DMV guys. And, um, one guy that you used to have on your staff, uh, and, and Kim English was able to get a job at George Mason. And obviously he, he took a guy, Nate Thompson, who played at Colorado and also was part of your staff. I mean, they're now over at George Mason. I mean, talk about those two guys, um, you know, obviously what they were able to bring to Colorado and now, you know, um, how they support. Cause I, I know when, when Ken got hired, you spoke very highly of him. Uh, I was reading a couple of quotes um, from you. I mean, just, just, for the people that don't know me, you know, just uh, think a little bit about those guys and what you think they're going to be able to bring to George Mason. Well, um, you guys see Kim, and I've told him this myself now. I'm, when I have bring a full-time coaching staff on my staff, I'm going after Nate to bring him back. So he's yeah. Nate's on loaner to Kim right now. Uh, <laughs> but no, I look, I, I I love both those guys. I mean, obviously Nate played for us. Um, he played two years. He was here when I got the job at Colorado. And I and and we both, you know, I coached and Nate played against Kim when Kim's at Missouri. And one of the the great things about our business, so to speak, I guess, is is the the friendships and the relationships that are built. You know, obviously you guys have it because you're brothers, right? You're twins. But like the relationship that Kim English and Nate Tomlinson have together, you know, those are special special relationships that. Um, only sports can bring together. I, 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 maybe there's in other industries that I'm not aware of. I don't know. I just know what happens a lot. Unfortunately, sometimes sports can break those relationships up. And I've seen a lot of relationships broken up in, by sports. And, and, and I hope that never happens to those two because they're both special, special guys, not only to me, but they're great coaches. I mean, Kim English, I knew it, you know, and I, and I tell people this story, you know, I, I I coached against Kim, but I didn't know him. And I was sitting at an AAU event. It was a Bill Williams event in the spring uh, back in Virginia. And I was sitting watching an AAU game, and uh, he sat down next to me, and we introduced ourselves. And I spoke to him for probably 20 minutes. And when he got up to leave to go to another game, you know, I told myself, if I ever have a coaching position open, I'm hiring that guy. I'm going, <laughs> I mean, he, he made that kind of impression on me in 20 minutes of conversation. So, and, and, and it happened, you know, he was on Frank Hayes staff at Missouri and they went with him to Tulsa and I had an opening and I called him and I said, I don't know. If you, and he came to work. He, we only had him for two years and then Tennessee got him for two years. And now George Mason's really, really lucky to have him. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a rising star. And uh, I knew it the First time I talked to him, and, and I know it today. I got great confidence in him, and uh, we'll always we'll always uh, uh, be special to each other. I, I believe. Now, one thing, Coach, um, real quick, I want to ask you, man, is about the you know the Pac-12 of the conference. You know, obviously last year we had UCLA make a run to the Final Four. Oregon State made a run to the Elite Eight. USC was there. You guys were obviously advancing. Um, I remember before this year, man, everybody was like, oh, the Pac-12, you know, is, is supposedly supposed to be a weaker conference and this and that. Um, talk about, you know, I think 
this what well, many people, I guess, wouldn't know about the conference or, you know, were, were you shocked to see that many teams advance that far in the tournament last season? Um, and it's kind of your thoughts on the league this year as well. No, I, I wouldn't say I was shocked last year. I've probably been a little bit more surprised and disappointed in years before because, you know, guys, you, I think you guys know this as players. You're never quite as good as you think you are. And you never when you when you play well or you win, and you're never quite as bad as you think you are when you don't play well or you lose. I mean, the truth somewhere there in the middle. I've known because you know I played in the Big Eight, I coached in the Pac-10, I coached in the SEC, I coached in the Big Twelve. I knew that the Pac-12 was a good league, and I've known it since I've been here. Now, some years are a little bit stronger than others. Every league is like that. The Big Ten, the ACC, name it. Um, the, the bottom line is the only way you get national recognition is if you advance in the NCAA tournament. And last year we did that as a league. But, you know, I'll use Oregon State as an example, okay? Oregon State, uh, we play them in the Pac-12 championship game of, of the tournament. And, you know, we've got a wide-open three from the wing – from a great shooter that doesn't go in, if it goes in, Oregon State's not even in the tournament, okay? Uh, but they beat us, and they deserve to beat us. They played better than us that night, and they go on to the Elite Eight. Well, the, there's such a fine line. There's a, that, that's, that's a team that was one jump shot away from not being in the tournament and go to the Elite Eight. You know, UCLA was struggling early, you know, in December. They make a Final Four run, so – I think you have to win on that stage consistently to gain credibility and gain that, you know, that, that street cred or reputation, if you will. But the bottom line is you better be ready to play. Look, I mean, we, we had some knockdown drag out fights with Dayton, you know, last few years and before everybody knew how good they were, you know, Obi Toppin was a junior one of the best college basketball games I've been a part of outside of the Quinnipiac game is, uh, is Dayton. We played Dayton at home in an NIT game. The year, you know, that was a year before COVID. It was a big time game. I'm telling you, they were really, really good. We were really, really good. And neither one of us were in the NCAA tournament. So there's a lot of good teams out there, guys. I mean, you know, the league you played in, I'm not saying you know, they, they could play in the big 10 and win it, but you better be ready to strap it on every time you, you step on the floor. And that's, that's one of the things I like about, you know, uh, taking your team overseas. Like we went to Costa Rica this year, uh, played against you, Andrew. And then, you know, four years before that, we went to Italy. Before that, we went to Paris. Uh, man, we got, you know, you, you play against good players all around the world. And it, it keeps your guys hopefully humbled and hungry. So. Coach, this has been awesome, man. We definitely want to thank you for coming on today, man. We appreciate your time and, you know, it's definitely great, great to reminisce and, you know, speak a little bit about, about past experience and everything. And we're definitely wishing you guys the best of luck uh, this season. I appreciate it, guys. Good to be with you. And if you see uh, Nate or Kim around, tell them I said what's up. Definitely. Well, I'll be getting down there some, sometime soon, so I'll definitely pass the message for sure. Okay. All righty, guys, that was Colorado head men's basketball coach Tad Boyle. Want to give a special thanks to Coach Boyle again for coming on with us today, man. It's always fun to reminisce on that 2017 game down there in Charlottesville, Virginia. It's supposed to be the Virgin Islands, and I will never live that down. You will hear about that two 
until the end of eternity, honestly, because we were supposed to go to the Virgin Islands, obviously, but those hurricanes that year um, wrecked those islands down there, man. So hopefully those guys have all you know recovered um, from that from that stuff down there, man. But it would have been great to go to the Virgin Islands for sure. But without further ado, man, um, definitely want to again thank Coach Boyle. Um, college basketball season is slowly approaching people. So with that being said, make sure you guys are telling your friend to tell a friend about the auto bid. We've got some fun episodes coming up for you guys soon. Make sure you guys are giving us a like, a rating, uh, whatever you're listening to this podcast. Please, it does go a long, long way in terms of getting this podcast out to the right people. Got some fun stuff coming up for you guys, so you definitely do not want to miss out. As always, make sure you guys are streaming my guy Pull Up Tay's music. His project, Life Ain't Fair, is out on all platforms and his newest single I Need It is streaming everywhere video is coming soon so stay tuned for that but this has been another episode of the auto bid um, stay tuned for more content coming soon gonna let my guy pull up Tay take his out with some music until next time folks you beating on me it's time to get a check boy you want to sideline you ain't made the headlines now it's time to reject boy you beating on me discussion what we talk about take your best shot i'ma take the last shot i'm drawing in the clutch boy Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.